Hello and welcome into another episode of the Esports Network Podcast in partnership with Reuters. The Esports Network Podcast is presented by Technology Game Changers. Check them out at tgcplay.com, linked below the show. If you work for a company looking to increase its reach in esports, Esports Network is looking for sponsors across our podcasts, our online media, and the Gamer Hour, a celebrity interview show hosted by Chris Bucket. If you're interested in starting a conversation about sponsorship, please reach out to Esports Network CEO Mark Timmick using the email in the bio of this podcast. Before we jump into the show, I have a quick correction I am adding in post-production. This show focuses on Race to World First, a competition between the best World of Warcraft guilds in the world. Prior to this summer, the overall world number one was Method Gaming. Method was the subject of intense controversy, as numerous allegations of sexual assault and harassment came out against Method Josh, a longtime player. These accusations were frankly disgusting, and came out from many different sources. Josh was dropped by Method, but the org knew about the allegations back in 2019 and stood by, allowing him to compete under the Method banner. Co-CEO Sasha Stevens was also accused of sexual harassment and misconduct. After these allegations, most of the Method Gaming Guild split off and formed a new guild titled Echo. This podcast is with Kyle Bautista, the COO of Complexity Gaming. We do not talk about the accusations towards Method or the split of the guild, but at times I mention Method Gaming as if they were still the number one guild in the world. That is not the case. Echo is the chief competitor towards Complexity Limit as we head towards the new race to World First. I should not have mentioned Method without mentioning the accusations that came against them and the org's failed handling of those accusations. I apologize for the error and I hope you enjoyed this talk about the unique nature of Race to World First, how much of the modern esports ecosystem was built from World of Warcraft, and how Complexity's industry-leading focus on nutrition is on perfect display over the course of this week-long event. Let's get into the show. Kyle has worked his way up through complexity over the last eight years, starting as an esports commentator, moving to content direction, and then to general manager before breaking into the C-suite in 2017. And while complexity is always fascinating from an org perspective, especially in the areas of health and wellness, one of our main focuses on this podcast, today we are talking about Race to World First and Complexity Limit. Race to World First is a competition between World of Warcraft guilds for bragging rights and massive achievement. As we head into World of Warcraft Shadowlands, Race to World First, Complexity Limit and Method are the two guilds likely to lead the race. Some esports fans may not be aware of this particular competition. It's one of my blind spots in esports as well. But luckily, we have Kyle here to run over what this event is about, why everyone should watch, and how the broadcast production has evolved over the last few years. So Kyle, I had to avoid WoW because it took me years to kick my RuneScape addiction, and I knew WoW was going to amplify that same addiction <laughs> by like five times. So for people unfamiliar with Warcraft, what is the overview for Race to World first? Yeah, I'm right in the same boat with you. I, I played WoW for many years, and I got clean, and until our first uh, race earlier this year, it got me hooked back in. So it's a, it's a pretty exciting event, but on a high level... World of Warcraft rating takes 20 players in a concerted effort to defeat uh, computer-generated scripted events or dungeons, raids, whatever you want to call them. Um, and every six months or so, uh, Blizzard, the uh, developer and publisher for World of Warcraft, releases new dungeon and raid content. Uh, this content has three levels, normal, heroic, and the most difficult being mythic. And upon the release of mythic content, 
guilds from around the world assemble their best 20 players and some substitutes, analysts, and coaches and try to become the first group in the world to defeat the the content. And while most esports events are normally, you know, a day or two, these events can be quite long as this is extremely difficult content and uh, often take you know, a number of days. It's really interesting. There's so many unique things within Race to World First that you don't see anywhere else in esports. You mentioned the length of competition, just having 20 people working together in teamwork. The biggest other game teams are like six in a major esport, right? There's no other esport that has anywhere above 10 people working together uh, to try and accomplish a goal like this that I can yeah. think of. Battlefield, uh, I want to say Battlefield 4 was, oh. I think, nine players. That's right. I forgot it about it. Never really took off. Yeah, that was a that was a short lived uh, game. But that was Battlefield was always really fun. I I actually totally forgot about that until, yeah. until right now. So you mentioned getting back into World of Warcraft, and I, I want to talk about the timeline a little bit. Basically, this was often the domain of Method Gaming. They were the number one guild of the world for years, and it was just like, okay, Method's the best. Well, Limit comes around. Limit founded in 2015 uh, and starts making waves, finishes second in a major race, and then Complexity decides to support them in 2019. Why did you guys want to invest in WoW to challenge for the crowd and just try and uh, make this a two-horse race, really, in a lot of ways? Yeah, we, we invested with Limit and partnered up with them for a large number of reasons. One, World of Warcraft is near and dear to many of the hearts here at Complexity Gaming and in the, the gaming zeitgeist really altogether. Um, there are so many people that are invested in other esports scenes and you know from fans and sponsors that they've played World of Warcraft in the past. They get it. They, they understand the, the deep lore. They have a connection to the game. And every time that an event comes around, it was getting bigger and bigger as you tapped into these more casual audiences that had that element of all-powerful nostalgia. Um, so we saw a really interesting opportunity there. And then with Limit specifically, we always love supporting a, a North American horse. And with this being North America's guild, essentially, for the last three and four years, and doing so well at these competitions before, we said, hey, not only is this a really cool event, not only do we love World of Warcraft, the viewership is growing. We have an incredible partnership with Twitch. This is going to be one of the most massive events, and we have an opportunity to become a major stakeholder in this space. It's an untapped market. And so we we reached out to the, the folks at Limit, and over a number of months, we were able to make a deal work with them. And we just wrapped up that first year, and we're renewed for another. I love it. It's very interesting in terms of you know investing in esports and also the space that world of warcraft holds in the larger esports ecosystem you mentioned how so many people in esports have their history to this and you know modern esports in some genres can be traced back to world of warcraft mods for defense oh, of the ancients and uh the moba genre coming out of that and then even in recent days the team fight tactics mod or the uh, auto battler mod coming out of dota auto chess which came out of world of warcraft it's like it, so many things bloomed from world of warcraft in the early days it actually surprises me a little bit that the uh this core mode raiding dungeons hasn't taken off as an esports event for so long yeah it's it's crazy when you trace back the lineage i mean everything goes back to warcraft 2 
Warcraft 2 spawned Warcraft 3. Warcraft 2 spawned StarCraft. StarCraft spawned custom maps. Custom maps spawned Dota. Dota spawned League of Legends. Spawned Heroes of the Storm. Warcraft 3 spawned World of Warcraft, which is its own beast. And, you know, really revitalized the MMO space. Uh, there's just so many incredible things that have come out of this. And it's it's many you combine those games between you know Warcraft three, World of Warcraft, Starcraft two, Dota, League of Legends, and you're talking about the esport, the modern esports boom of twenty you know two thousand eleven to two thousand and thirteen. Those games are what caused esports to to kind of come back from the 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 mud that it was in in the late aughts. Right. It was, we had shooters. We had your Call of Duties, your CSGOs. At, we had sports simulation games with like the Madden bus and those types of things. And those genres, the MOBA genre, these different StarCraft is, yeah, this, what we think of esports today that has all these different genres wrapped into it. It wasn't always that way. And Warcraft was the, the starter of basically a whole side of esports, of modern esports. Yep. It's incredible. There's a lot of history there. And you know we're proud to be a part of uh, some of the most the most recent versions of that. And you know World of Warcraft's a very unique space. There's a lot of different ways to compete with uh, the the arena, the player versus player scene, three v three, with the Mythic Dungeon International, with five person dungeons, and uh, of course with the Race to World First, a community led event. Um, like like we had talked about all the way up with you know twenty people competing per guild. Our our group actually is taking 33 players and uh, coaches, analysts into the raid. That's incredible. So, yeah, let's talk a little bit. As you were talking to Limit in 2019 and figuring out a partnership that could work for them, Complexity, one of the main tenets is, hey, we're going to focus on health and wellness of our players. You know, we're uh, we're working with the Dallas Cowboys in the Dallas Cowboys training facility, trying to put them on nutrition regimens. Jason Lake calls this eSports 3.0, and I love that term. Uh as you were talking to Limit, Race to World First feels like a very specific event that could really make great use out of uh, making sure that people have the proper infrastructure, the proper care as they try to take on a multi-day event as 20 people all try and coordinate. What was your pitch to them and how much of it focused on like, hey, we can provide you guys with uh, nutritional balance, with wellness, with all the different things you need to succeed so that you could take that top spot in Race to World First? Yeah, our conversations with Limit were focused on a wide variety of things, but the offering here at our HQ and everything that goes along with it, Esports 3.0, as, as we've talked about it, um, were definitely very high up that list. And so for our first event uh, in January of this year, pre-COVID, we had all of these players. We had 27 players at that time that were out here um at the GameStop Performance Center in Frisco, Texas. And these guys, it's it's an event that gets a bad rap. You know, when we talk to some publications, they want to say, oh, you guys are competing for 10 days straight, 12 hours a day. And it's like, yes, it is a strenuous event. But what I want to talk about is, hey, how are we actually doing things to take the proper preventative measures? You know, we're we're encouraging these guys to be waking up at appropriate times. We're encouraging them every four hours to be taking meaningful breaks. We're encouraging them to even just every hour get up, stand up, walk around a little bit. 
we're letting them utilize our recovery facilities here in-house. We're giving them access to the gym so that they can get time there. We're providing full catering with nutritious meals rather than just having them snack on candy bars and drink energy drinks. You know, these guys are they're eating, they're trying to take care of themselves as best as you can. Uh, you know, at some level, sitting down in a chair for 12 hours a day is not the best thing you can be doing for your body. But short of that, everything that we're doing is trying to counteract that as much as possible and make sure that these guys have the competitive edge. That's super interesting. And yeah, I think everybody at home who's listening to this is like, yeah, sitting in my chair for 12 hours a day is horrible. Or I think we're all dealing with a little bit of that, but we don't all have complexities, uh, recovery suites. I could definitely use a little bit of that after my, oh, yeah. uh, after four hours of Rocket League last night, I was like, oh my, my head, yeah. I need to, I need to do some self-care right now. Even if I preach this on this podcast day in and day out, it's like, it's another step to actually take it for yourself as well. Yeah, and it's it's another thing for us. It's not only recovering, but it's also preventing these uh, mm-hmm. these injuries, these maladies as well. And we're really lucky to have awesome partners in this space, especially guys like Herman Miller, you know, one of the the pioneers of modern ergonomics. And here in the GameStop Performance Center, every piece of furniture is made by Herman Miller. So each one of these players not only has, you know, their own desk space, but it's a height adjustable, micro height adjustable. It sits to stand. So some of our players were taking uh, taking advantage of being able to stand up, but they've also got you know, high-end body chairs with dozens of points of flexibility in them to be able to really mold to each and every one of these players and provide the maximum level of support so that hopefully they're not sustaining any kind of uh, any kind of swelling or soreness but if they do we have the right products with companies like Hyperice and Normatech to be able to help out and relieve those issues preventative measures are are so important and there's a there's a long way to go in esports we saw the the proliferation of the gaming chair and I uh, had quite a few of those gaming chair companies not particularly stoked with me after I wrote about uh complexities partnership with Herman Miller and talk to some doctors about, you know, hey, this is what gaming chairs are. This is why they aren't very good. And uh, yeah, so they, those brands weren't super happy to me, but it just highlighted, that was in spring, and it highlighted how far we have to go because a lot of these chairs that did not put health and wellness first and were more about branding and flashing marketing were the leaders in the space. And so having places like Herman Miller, having uh, organizations like Complexity focused on this is going to create a much better gaming world overall going forward. Yeah, I mean, we were we were part of that issue a number of years ago. I mean, we had partnerships in the space um, and we didn't know what we didn't know. And so when we finally started talking with Herman Miller in 2018 and they kind of illustrated to us where the, the major issues were and that we were not only not helping the problem, but contributing to the problem by putting players in these chairs, uh, you know, it was we have zero intention to ever work with somebody that's not providing a true ergonomic experience ever again. And we're proud to have that relationship with Herman Miller. Now the first team in the space to be working with them. And we're proud to not only utilize their products, but to be working with their R and D team on developing the next generation of products uh, designed specifically for gamers and for optimizations from work from home environments. Absolutely. There's definitely a a great, 
combination there where you bring in the marketing, you bring in all the different things that doesn't have to go away, but you also make sure there's a focus on ergonomics as well. So looking forward uh, to that, not going to put you on the spot here, but I, I know Herman Miller was, uh, was creating a cl- complexity gaming chair for the masses. Is that, what's the timeline on that thing looking like? Uh, it's not something I can talk about yet, but you know, I'll, I'll be the first one to let you know when it's available. Please do. Please do. I thought that might be the answer. So I'm looking forward to that for sure. Uh, switching gears just a little bit. Let's talk about broadcast production. So you mentioned how this was a community driven event uh, for years upon years. And lately there's been this big influx of uh, viewers of orgs like complexity getting involved in 2019 how have you seen the production evolve and how especially from limit's perspective how has production evolved from when limit was created in 2015 to when complexity got involved in 2019 to what do you have planned for this upcoming event covid notwithstanding yeah covid's certainly thrown a little bit of a wrench in things but we're doing our best uh to uh, to mitigate that as much as possible. And while we won't have all of our players uh, in the HQ, we'll, we'll have a few guys that are local and there are people that have flown in early enough to properly quarantine and get tested, um, as well as the production team will be here locally as well to make sure, again, that we're able to provide the best show possible. And with that, you know, taking all the proper steps and procedures to ensure safety for everyone involved. But over time, the production has absolutely increased, and it's it's unique for each and every guild and organization that's participating. Um, you know, Limit produced their event in uh, combination with Red Bull in twenty uh, early twenty nineteen, and that was a different show than what we produced this last time. And that's going to be a different show from what we produce in a couple of weeks. Here, we're we're constantly trying to evolve, improve, and really offer the next level up of uh, production for this show. And our show is not the same show that Method put on in early this year. Uh, It's not going to be the same show that Method or Echo or any of these other guilds. I believe Golden Guardians is going to be doing a a show, Big Dumb Golden Guardians, I think is their their WoW guild name now. Um, (laughs) I thought you were insulting them for a second. No, 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 because they partnered up with a guild called Big Dumb Guild. And so now they're BDGG, which I think is Big Dumb Golden Guardians or Big Dumb Golden Guild or something. I'm not sure. Um, that's, that's fantastic. I love that. It's it's great. But I, I think that there's going to be probably half a dozen different productions, which I think this will be the first time that there's been more than three. Um, last time we worked with BDGG, we worked with Pieces. Um, and so it's it's awesome to see more people get into the space. And you've even had uh, folks that aren't competing in it, like OTK. Uh, that's a group of content creators in the World of Warcraft space, some very big names like Asmongold, um, saying that they're going to get involved as well and not necessarily show the live competition because they're not competing, uh, but more kind of ancillary content, interview shows and podcast type talking about the event as it's going on. It's like the, uh, oh man, I'm forgetting my classic movie reference. How can I not remember the name of this? Uh, the, uh, if you build it, they will come. Well, in esports, oh, yeah. if, if the viewers are there, the orgs will come. And <laughs> Everybody wants a piece of it. <laughs> exactly. And after the success of some of these broadcasts recently, can you talk a little bit too about some of the numbers behind some of these broadcasts? It feels like we're seeing a lot of investment 
coming into this. And if we didn't have COVID, we might be seeing even more. It's probably very hard to, it's a tough undertaking for a new org to be like, oh, let's create a guild of 20 people in a time of COVID uh, and bring them all together and create these partnerships. So I imagine if we didn't have this, we'd be seeing a lot more investment around this type of event. Yeah, I I agree. And I mean, the numbers are staggering Um, for our previous event, for our main broadcast, plus our players on their individual channels. I mean, Max, our guild leader, our uh, raid leader, is uh, his broadcast actually did more than our main broadcast because people love tuning into him and hearing the player comms at all time. Um, But combined, I mean, we did uh, nearly 400 million viewer minutes over the course of the uh, 10-day raid. Um, peaking out at uh, just under 200,000 concurrent viewers, which is, I mean, that's one of the biggest events of the year by those kind of, of measures. Um, so absolutely staggering numbers. And we absolutely would see more people if there was not so much expense at running your own production. And of course, the COVID factor as well. Nobody quite knows how that's going to play in with uh, more remote elements in the production with not having as many of these players centralized. We expect that to be a performance hit for us. We'll only have five players, it looks like, in a central location. So having to send out you know, feeds to our coaches remotely and pulling feeds from some of these guys remotely for production. Um, but it's not like Blizzard comes in and runs one central production and then, you know, compensates everybody for flying their players out to one location. It's not that kind of thing. We're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars putting on these productions. So we need those numbers to be big enough to, to hope to recoup some of that money via sponsorships and uh, selling media rights. Absolutely. Do you think there's a world where Blizzard gets more involved in this going forward? You know, they do have their hands full with the Call of Duty and the Overwatch leagues right now. Uh, But is there something that we see uh, in the future where they start maybe creating those centralized broadcasts or are they enjoying how it's sort of a community run org run right now? You know, we've talked to Blizzard a number of times about the the event um, and they're you know, they're involved in World of Warcraft via the 3v3 Arena World Championship, as well as the uh, five-person Mythic Dungeon International, the, the other player versus environment um, dungeon race. Um, and so they organize those events. They put up prizing. They hire the casters. They run the production. I think that they're comfortable to let this stay as a community-driven event. They know that they're just because it's it's brand new. I mean, we're constantly encountering bugs and delays and you know, to say that the the playing field is flat is certainly not the case, in my opinion. Uh, you know, North America gets a little bit of a head start, but North America also runs into way more bugs. Sometimes that the boss is just straight up unkillable, and you have to wait for a Blizzard developer to fix it while you're watching. You know, we'll sometimes pull a boss. And Blizzard will say, oh my gosh, that boss is not strong enough. And they'll increase the boss's health by 30%, literally while you're looking at the boss. Oh my. Um, so really, North America ends up being kind of bug testers. And then Europe gets to kind of watch and see these strategies. So each each different region is kind of encountering different issues. Um, and it's it's not a flat playing field, but it's still a very interesting event. And generally speaking we think that it all kind of balances out and uh you know it doesn't have a negative effect on the viewership and so i think for those reasons you know blizzard 
I don't think that they're ever going to get involved in an organizational capacity, but I think that you will see them get involved in promoting streams and as always, you know, congratulating people for, for completing the instance first. It's really, it's a really interesting circumstance. Again, something very unique to esports, and that keeps coming up uh, around Race to World versus, wow, this is unique. Wow, this is in a, a space of its own. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I love that there are still these community support events. That's what esports has been for basically two decades. And the franchise leagues are amazing. Like you see League of Legends Worlds and you're like, wow, that's incredible. Like look at what esports has become. But so having these community run events and these ones that's driven by core passion, uh, I'm glad that that's still sticking around in esports and we still have all those different callbacks to, yeah, okay, community support. And yeah, we'll, we'll let the community run with it. I want to see more and more of that Uh you know, in esports, especially in paired with developer support when necessary, of course, as well. Yeah, I mean, Blizzard, they, they're not directly running the event, but, you know, none of us expected the event to be so close to Christmas because the event does actually require Blizzard devs to be watching and you know, basically at all times. Um, because sometimes, like I said, you run into that bug that's literally game-breaking and we fire off an email to Blizzard and they're firing an email back saying, hey, we're working on this, give us 10 minutes. Or, hey, that's actually not the way you're intended to be approaching this. Do it this way, otherwise you're going to break it. Um, and we had that, you know, we thought we were going to kill the last boss at, at one point um, really early on in the event, probably like four days before we actually did um, in the last race. And it ended up being that Blizzard straight up despawned the boss in the middle of the pool and emailed us and said, hey, that's actually an exploit. Something didn't work on our side. Uh, don't try it that way. <laughs> so it's it wow. really is kind of a collaborative effort um, from afar. That's wild. That's so that's so insane. It's just like, okay, well, and you don't even know the correct path. So you're trying to figure it out. Yeah. And you're like, oh, well, this seems to be working. Okay, let's run with this. And they're like, wait, wait, that's an exploit. We didn't know that. Oh, yeah. There's no, there's no video guide about how to do this. We are figuring it out live in front of hundreds of thousands of viewers. And that's part of what makes it so interesting. And then, of course, once we do figure it out, we immediately release written and video guides for our fans that are trying to take it on at different levels of difficulty. Right. I'm sure a ton of that uh, that viewership is a bunch of people who are like, how do I do this? And it's like, OK, let's watch the yeah. best people in the world figure it out live. Uh, really, really interesting. So you mentioned coming up to Christmas, lay out the timeline for what this event, when the event starts, when it's released uh, until when people might expect a, a completion. So the event starts Tuesday, December 15th. Um, our expectation is around 11 o'clock in the morning, Eastern time. Um, so our broadcast will slate to start at 10 o'clock in the morning, Eastern time. Uh, last time there was about a three hour delay because the servers were overloaded. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the start time. And you know, our last event was, I believe, 10 days. Um, at about 12 hours a day of live progress with 16 hours a day of live broadcast. Um, we're expecting this one to be a little bit shorter um, based on some of the testing that they've enabled us to do at the lower difficulties and also just the difficulty of the rate and the, uh, the length of the rate itself. So we're expecting it to be six to eight days 
Um, so safe bet that we're, we're probably done by the 22nd of December. Wow. That's it. just thinking about the absolute scale of this. So if you have a 12 hours a day for 10 days, uh, you know, for this one's going to be six to eight, but for 10, as I'm doing the math in my head, it's easier than six to eight. Uh, so 12 to 10 uh, by 20 people is 2,400 total hours of individual hours of gameplay to take down a dungeon of collaborative gameplay. That's uh, truly incredible. It's it's special. I mean, they're, they're, we had people that had never watched World of Warcraft. They had never played World of Warcraft. That after you watch for you know, 30 minutes or an hour, you, you have an understanding of what's happening. And you know even if you don't, when you get that first boss kill... And you see the emotions on these guys and the energy. I mean, it's it's something else. And even though you're fighting against a prescribed scenario and encounter that's it's computer coded, not versus another player, it feels just like any other esport when you get a win. Um, it's an incredible and very special and unique event. Sometimes it feels even better, honestly. You know, the, the ranked play is great, but beating a really tough boss or doing something that you haven't been able to beat, a hurdle you haven't been able to overcome, is uh, one of the feelings that is just so core to gaming at large. Yes. And I think just goes uh, beyond another level. I'm sure winning a championship feels some incredible things. I would never know. Uh, but beating <laughs> a boss is something I could relate to. <laughs> yeah. I definitely encourage anybody that is not uh, watched to tune in, even if you've never, you know, seen or played World of Warcraft before. You'll you'll find it incredibly engaging, and of course, if you're a former World of Warcraft fan, uh, you will be overcome with nostalgia. And current World of Warcraft fans, I mean, no better way to learn and enjoy the game. Yeah, if I suppose if I've decided not to play the game, I should definitely be watching this just to get an idea of what this looks like and the phenomenon yeah. around it, especially with production uh, evolving in all these different ways. I'm really curious to see how y'all tackle that challenge of the uh, basically around the daytime clock broadcasting, uh, bringing in all these different elements, coordinating with all the people. It's a uh, for a chief operating officer is a really fantastic operation. <laughs> Yeah, I'm lucky to have an incredible team with us here. Uh, our general manager, Soren, is uh, really the project manager for the event. So he spent the last few months preparing for this one, not only making sure that the players have everything that they need to compete, but organizing the broadcast and you know coordinating with our partners team and coordinating with hopefully our Chinese broadcast partners and our friends over at Twitch and the production team and the guys that are responsible for everything from flights and hotels to food and even laundry service. Um, so it's, it's always good to have an incredible team, uh, that are not only passionate, but talented, uh, at what they do. And, you know, we're lucky to have that. Absolutely. Every time I talk to complexity, I'm like, wow, this person seems really on top of their game. It's a, it's a whole organization doing a lot of really cool things. I think that's a great place to end off this show on. I want to give you one more chance. What do you want people looking out for following? Can they follow complexity limits specifically? Uh, what do you want people or listeners checking out after the show? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can learn more about Complexity on our website, complexity.gg, and also follow us at our socials at Complexity on Twitter. Uh, and of course, make sure to check out the Complexity Limit Race to World First, December 15th at twitch.tv slash complexity. December 15th, we're publishing this one on monday which is december 7th so by the time you're listening to this it'll be next week set your calendar make a reminder uh you can watch complexity race to world first i'll be watching along with a couple hundred thousand other people it sounds like so kyle thank you so much for joining the show it was a blast talking to you i had a great time learning about this one of these smaller blind spots for me in esports but hopefully one that i fill it with with some new knowledge coming up shortly for our listeners, uh, please check out the Gamer Hour. We have a new episode coming on Wednesday. I'm not sure who Chris is interviewing this week, but there will be a new episode coming out for you with a celebrity interview. And then I'll be back on Friday with another episode of the Esports Network podcast. I'll talk to you later. But before I'm out, remember, Esports Network podcast is presented by Technology Game Changers. You can check them out at tgcplay.com linked below the show. Thanks for listening, everyone.